for the last 13 years, being involved in ministry as a youth pastor for over 20 years, I began to see some things. And as I look back and and I saw some things, I saw some changes, and I saw some things that were happening immediately in our ministry that needed to be addressed. And the idea was this. We had a lot of kids come to know the Lord, but we never had them take that next step. We were seeing kids on the next level, going to college and then falling off. And that's just not our church. That's worldwide. That's nationwide. The average age of 18 and 24-year-olds were leaving the church with leaps and bounds. They were walking away. There's nothing for them. And I began to ask the question, well, why? Why was that group walking away from church? And I began to think, and I asked some questions of some of our own 20-somethings. And, the, and what happened was we figured out that many of them had never really had a spiritual breakthrough. Well, what is that? What's a spiritual breakthrough? Well, we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about what a spiritual breakthrough looks like and have we had one. We realize that some of our kids have had something, and a lot of us as followers of Christ have had something that we like to call a spiritual awakening. A spiritual awakening is very different than a spiritual breakthrough. A spiritual awakening is is to recognize who God is, that you have sinned, and that you need Christ in your life. And many of us have these spiritual awakenings in times of our lives. We recognize God for the first time or the first time in a long time. And these awakenings are fantastic. They are the acknowledgement of God and his existence in our lives. And they're awesome. But spiritual awakenings are just that. They're awakenings. They're moments. And those moments, without a desire to grow deeper in your life, are just that moments, and they are fleeting. Another word for them are called mountaintop experiences. We have those. Our youth group and, I, and, I, and our youth group goes to four different events throughout the year, and they go. To, we have one coming up next week. And some of you, maybe in your younger ages, if you've been a follower of Christ for a while, you've had these moments where you go and you recognize God. And YAC is fantastic. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love it. 800 people praising and loving God. It is the most awesome experience, and I invite you to come and to see this and to know that there are some youth that are really loving God, and it's awesome to see. And many of our students, if I ask, and some of our adult chaperones and college students and other leaders have accepted Christ at this event. But they will tell you that it's a moment. And we remember them and look back on those moments fondly. Some of them say, oh, I can't wait to go back to, to YC. This is where I, I, you know, I really began to start my relationship with Jesus Christ. And it was awesome. But I asked them this question is this, why is that so important but not every other day following? Why do we look back at those moments and not realize that God calls us to have those moments as a stepping stone but, and not a mountaintop experience? That's the beginning of where God wants to lead us. 
That's the breakthrough that God is calling us to have, is the one that we're moving forward, not that we have this, this moment in time, and then we fall off, and then we look for another moment again. This awakening, oh, God's real, yes, I love him, and then we fall off again. A breakthrough is very different. A breakthrough is this. It's a conscious decision to go deeper in your relationship with God. That you have chosen to make the step to the next level in your faith. I think many of us, we we live in a world that breakthroughs in our everyday lives are something that we strive for. In business, many of us work extra hours for bonuses, for promotions. We'll put in all the time that we need to to get to another level. Then some of us, we work out. We go to the gym to get the bodies that we think we need to have to stay healthy, to be fit. We do these things. We, we, put the, we go to the gym. We put on the workout clothes. We go and spend time. It takes time to go there. Or we put a video in it or we watch videos. We do these things just to stay healthy. We put in time and work and effort. Many of us, musicians, athletes, we work on our craft or at our sport. We spend time, endless hours, practicing and practicing. We do the same thing over and over until we can get it right. We do these things, but when it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to our spiritual walk, man, we don't have the time. Steve last week said, 11 hours, was it, it was a month, right? Or was it a week? 11 hours a week. That's what we, get, we need to give, that we should give. That that's, that's how much we should give. And we really are taking maybe two, maybe three, 11 hours. That's not a lot. But what if? What if you challenge yourself to begin to start living your life for Christ 24 hours, 365 days of the year? That your life was... That you chose to follow Christ with everything. That you prioritize your life. God first and then everything else in that order. Rather than everything else and then God on the side. Some of us ask, you know, you know I can't get what I, I really need. Many people ch- jump from, from church to church. Ah, oh, this pastor's this. I don't like the worship there. I don't like this. I don't like that. The reason why is because they're not asking the right questions. They're looking for the answers in all the wrong places. Rather than looking for outward things, they need to start looking inside and looking where their priorities lie and begin to ask the question, am I wanting a breakthrough with Jesus Christ? Am I ready to take my relationship to a deeper and better level than where I am right now? And if that's the case, it's going to take work, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the time and effort, and how do we get to a place where we're saying to God, God, I want more of you each and every day. That I want to challenge myself, that I don't want to hold back anymore, that I want to give you everything that I have. And we're going to talk about how to get there. And ask specifically, God, what do you want from me? Man, I think that's the tough thing. I think we're afraid to ask that question to God. To ask God, what do you want from me? We ask God, I want this. 
But a lot of us are afraid, God, what do you want from me? A lot of us, we always think, oh, we always think that God's going to, in that question, most of us, if you've been around, we always think that God's going to send us to some foreign country if we ask that question. Oh, if I ask God what he wants from me, he's going to make me a missionary around the world. Yeah, probably not. But we're afraid to ask that question. We're okay with being okay. Man, that's a disease. That is spiritual death. If you're okay with being okay with your relationship with God. If you're not challenging yourself to go deeper. And we're going to talk about what that, what that means for us. For me, I remember the day, I remember well, I was 13 years old one time. And I grew up in church. My dad uh, works in ministry. He's not a pastor. But uh, to me, as a person, as his son, he's the most godly person I know. He is. I, I just, he's that guy for me. Everybody has someone that was a mentor or something. It was my dad. And my dad, I saw him at 13 years old, and he was literally praying over a couple. He prayed over a couple, and I, at that moment, I knew that he was directly speaking to God. And I said, I want that. But I said that in the wrong manner. I wanted it for some selfish reasons. I was like, God, I want to pray like that, which sounds great, right? I want to learn how to pray really strong. But it was, a, it was a selfish idea. I want to pray like that so people will know that I'm holy and talk to God. That was the wrong way to ask for it. it, wasn't a, it wasn't, I wasn't asking for a breakthrough in my spiritual journey, in my prayer life. I was asking specifically, God, let me have a skill so that I can be better than someone else. Where a breakthrough is not that. A breakthrough is the idea is that God is going to use the gifts that you have to glorify him, not us. A spiritual breakthrough in our own lives is not about me. It's about bringing glory to God. Yes, he will use us. He will use our talents. He will use our gifts. But it's not to glorify us. It is to glorify him and grow the kingdom. The faster we get that through our minds and the ideas that spiritual breakthrough is not about us is when it begins to start happening. I'm going to pray and then we're going to just dive a little bit deeper into God's word. Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity that you've given to me this morning to share what you've laid on my heart. God, I humbly come before you asking for your words, not mine, and most Pastors pray that, and it's one that I think every pastor should pray. Because, God, it is you and your words that will change lives. It is you and your words and your truth that can change nations. It is you and your words that can change the mundane to the fantastic. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Get my stuff in order this morning. I think I got it now. No. Okay. First, when we talk about this, it's one that 
I think that we all need to do. Neil, two weeks ago, talked about what it meant to repent or to confess our sins. And this is the first part of beginning to figure, how am I going to get this breakthrough? The first part of a breakthrough is this, is confession. And to some of us, that is a bad word. It is a church bad word for us. Because we, we don't like to talk about our sin. Especially, and we don't like to confess it. Confession means that you're admitting that you did something wrong. And some of us don't like to be wrong. I'm one of those people. I tell my wife, I said, I'm, not, I'm right 95% of the time, and the other 5%, it's 50-50. <laughs> we don't like to be wrong. We don't like to submit to God's authority. Humbling ourselves in a manner that says, okay, this is what's going on. That God, I have done something that literally stands before you and I. It's in the middle. It's in, the, it's in between us that I cannot get the fulfillment of what you want to give me because this sin that you cannot be around stands in the way. Confession is what God asks for us to do. A lot of us, we know how to do it. We just don't want to do it. And then some of us, we do it, but we do it with our minds, but not our hearts. We choose to make a confession to God, and we say, God, I know, and a lot of us, we'll say, God, I want you to forgive me for my sins. I know I, know I cut that person off. I know I shouldn't do that. God, I know that I, I said these things about this person. I know I shouldn't do that. And there's some sins, uh, there's some, and there's some things as, that we think as Christians, and some people think of us as Christians, that we don't sin. Obviously, we know that not to be true. We are all sinners, all of us. Every day we sin in our actions, in our thoughts, our deeds. Some of our sins are commissions, things that we did or did to someone, and we did something wrong or sins of omission, where we have failed to do something that we should have done. That's the one that I think that most of us don't even recognize in our lives, is the ones where we should have done something. What God called us, and we just denied it. We just didn't even recognize it. The submission is one that a lot of times stands in the way, because sometimes that's the sin that we don't think we really did anything wrong, because we didn't do anything. We think that doing something... Doing nothing is not bad, but when God calls us to action and God calls us to move and God calls us to be obedient, the sin of omission stands in our way. We also have something that I call residual sin. Man, this is the one that I think a lot of us burdens. This is the baggage sin. This is the baggage sin. The one where we know and we ask God to forgive us because we recognize that it's wrong. And we say, God, I need to be forgiven for this. So we ask God for forgiveness, but we don't forgive ourselves. God, I know that I've done these things, but I'm, but I'm still not worthy. We have this residual sin, this thing that sits in ourselves where we, because we have not fully given God everything, where we have not fully submitted to God's forgiveness and said, God, I lay it all down at the cross and I give you everything. When I confess, 
I confess it all. We say, I confess, but not this, not this little part of that. What happens is, for one reason or another, in our humanness, we have not allowed ourselves to be forgiven. And it's because of baggage. It's because our lack of trust in God. But it really, sometimes it's more than trust. It's our lack of faith in that God forgives us wholly and fully. This is what God is asking for you to do, is to submit everything. That no longer that there is anything residual, that God will clean us, that God will make the crimson into as what is white as snow in our lives. It is what the challenge that many of us don't want to do because it takes work and it means that you're going to dig up some pain and some hurt. But if you want a spiritual breakthrough, this is what you need to lay down. This is the moment that God can't do. And this is for a lot of us. This is where spiritual breakthrough stops. Because we're not willing to give God authority in our lives. This is where breakthrough stops for many of us. Is that the confession, the beginning and the fulfillment of giving God everything? In Proverbs 28, 13, it says, Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. In Psalm 66, 18 through 20, it says, if I, had cherished in, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. Praise be to God who will not reject my prayer or withheld his love from me. God wants to lavish his love on you. But it means that you need to submit to the authority of God. And confess the sin that stands between you and him. The next step is making sure what you ask is in God's will. God doesn't say, I'll give you everything. I'll give you everything, stuff that you don't need, stuff, whatever. If you ask for me, I would like, you know. Some of us pray this prayer. God, if it's in your will for me to win $1.5 billion dollars. I'd be okay with that. That's really not how it works. We don't ask for stuff that benefits us. We're going to ask for stuff that is in line with God's will for our lives. The plan that he has made, not our plan, but his plan for our lives. It is this idea, and it comes down to three things, and we're going to talk about the three things really quickly. It's this. When you begin to measure, what is God's will for my life, and how do I know that this is to be true? One, is it scriptural? Can I look at scripture and find what I'm asking for in God's word? If it is, I move on, and the answer is this. It says this, it says this in, uh, in 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, all scripture is God-breathed. So if we're asking and we're butting it up against scripture and we're comparing and we're saying, okay, if it's God-breathed, then this must be in God's will. Because I'm asking the right things and I can find it in scripture. The breakthrough that I'm asking for, if I can find it there. The next is this. Is it the desire of my heart? And God loves us. I mean, he loves us. 
I think some of us that have been denied that through our lives in one shape, form, or fashion, we can't sometimes fathom how much God loves us. Myself, I struggled with that for a while in my my young days. I'm adopted. Many of you may know that. And I began to ask the question, how can somebody not want me? I used to, I struggled with that. But then I looked at my parents that adopted me. That means they love me even more, and I'm not theirs. That they've welcomed me into their family. They have made me one of their own. They have put me in, the, in my last name. They've given me everything that I could ever have wanted because I am part of this family. This is what Christ does for us. Even though you don't deserve it, I am going to love you unconditionally. I am going to, the Bible says, I'm going to adopt you. Same as I was adopted. Christ adopts us into the family of God and gives us title and deed. He calls us princes and princesses of the kingdom. This is who we are. And we need to know that that's how much God loves us. Some of us still struggle with that on how much God loves us. Because we've been hurt. And so when we begin to ask the desires of our heart and we say, God, you know what, what I love and what I want and what I want to do. God is like, yes, yes, I have given you that idea. I want you to nurture that, pray for that, get excited about that. Make this what you ask to then talk to me. It says this in Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. It says, for I know the plans that I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your welfare, not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. You will call me and, and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me with all of your heart. My favorite, one of my other favorite passages is this. It says in Proverbs 6, 9, it says, A man's heart plans his future, but, a Lord, but the Lord determines his steps. Man, we can do, God says yes. The desires of your heart is what I want to give you, what you exactly want to do. Your talents and the gifts that were bestowed upon you by me, I want you to to love those things. But when you submit to my authority and in the midst of my will, I am going to show you how to use those things so that you can glorify me. Man, that's awesome. The things that you wanted to do, some of you sit back and you go, yeah, I want to do this, but no, I don't know. I know I'm really good at that. I know that God's given me that. Nah, I, I don't know. God's saying, yes, the desires of your heart. The next thing is that if we pray for the desires of our heart, then we need to ask God to give us the faith to believe that God will answer prayer. We will go to all these steps, but some of us don't have enough faith to believe that God's going to answer it. We can read all the books about prayer about faith, but if we don't instill it in ourselves, especially when we pray for things, that we, man, if you pray for something, you better believe that God's going to answer. Whether he says yes, no, or not now, we better believe that God will answer our prayer. It is a challenge for us because sometimes God says no, and we get mad. God, I really wanted this. And God says, no. God planned for us. 
We heard in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, it's to give us a future. That's, that's, that may not be our future. It's what we want, not what he wants. Last thing is this, and I think it's the most important is this thing, is we need to be persistent in our prayer life. We need to be persistent in our, all of our faith journey. This is the stopper. Persistence. Of all the things that I talk about, persistence is the one thing that some of us literally, this is where our dreams come to die. Our faith dreams, our journey, our spiritual journey comes to die when it comes to persistence. How many of us tried? I'm going to read the Bible in a year. And like somewhere in the Old Testament, you're like, oh, no, I'm done. You get to the, you know, ah, you know I missed the day. I'm going to catch up. And we never catch up. This is the year I'm going to meet with some people and make a big difference. And I'm going to meet with them. And you start off with gangbusters. You know, you're meeting every week. And every week goes to, ah, we'll meet twice. We'll meet twice a month. Well, I can't do it this month. And next time you know it, you're already, ah, you know, we haven't met for a couple of weeks. Why don't we start next time? Well, we'll do it next year. The persistence of our faith and our prayer life. Many of us will pray for things and, and then we, we don't think that God's listening. Or we don't think that God's answers. So we stop praying. Our persistent prayer becomes something that becomes every now and then. When I go to church, I close my eyes and I pray. Rather than have this prayer life that is abundant, that is something that is something that it is part of your DNA, where you are seeking a, and desperately seeking God on a daily basis. That's the challenge. That's the persistent. We read the passage in Matthew where it says, uh, excuse me. We read the passage in Matthew where he talks about seeking and knocking on the door. Well, knocking is not something that you do once. If you go knock on a door, you don't go, hey, go knock on the door and you go and walk away. Knocking is this. Consistent until someone comes and answers. It's when you pray and you get on your knees and you pray to God and you ask God every day, all day. You, it is on your mind. You want a spiritual breakthrough? It can't stop with just doing it one time and thinking that God's going to answer. God wants you to consistently pray to him, have this relationship with him that is something that does not stop on Sunday, but continues on Monday, works through on Tuesday, comes back to you on Wednesday. Thursday, you're reminded by someone else. Friday, you're praying for someone else. Saturday, you're rejoicing because you've just prayed the whole week. That's persistence in our prayer life. That's persistence in our journey, that God is calling us not to read the Bible on Sunday, but persistently seek him out daily through his word. We know that God is truth and his truth shall set us free. And this is what we do and this is what we need, but we don't do it. For some reason or another, we find other ways to distract ourselves rather than distracting ourselves with the one thing that's going to give us freedom, which is Jesus Christ. The persistence is what God's calling for us to have. It's tough. 
It's hard. Because basically, persistence means, and I'm going to read for you what persistence means. And then we're going to end, if I can find it. Persistence is this. A firm or obstinate continuance in a course of action in spite of difficulty or obstacle. I did it in a second. What is it? We can use obstacles. That's great. I can say that one. (laughs) Despite of obstacles. It is persistence to break through. It is a motion. It is an action. Persistence is something that we need to desire. One of the things that I love about persistence, it's moving forward, not moving back. Many of us sit here this day and we are standing still in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We serve a God that is living and is moving forward. And if we're standing still, we are moving backwards. If we're not chasing after God on a daily basis and persisting to follow him, we are moving farther and farther away from a living God that wants to give you a future and wants to give you a life that wants you to desire spiritual breakthrough, that wants you to live here rather than here. I know, I feel it, that our church over the last couple of weeks, Neil and Steve and the things that we've been talking about is challenging our church to take a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. And today, it is this. I honestly believe that God wants to do a breakthrough with us as an individuals and also as a church. I've been here for 13 years. Man, we got to stop living here as a church. That means 11 hours. It does. 11 hours a week. You need to give to church, to us, to God. 11 hours a week. You need to give everything. And some of you have asked yourself years and years that you've gone, how, do I, how come I'm not growing in my faith? How come I don't have what that person has spiritually? It's because we have not allowed ourselves to go deeper and to submit to the authority of God and ask for a breakthrough spiritually. Say, I'm sick of just being being, I want more, and God wants to give us more. And it comes through breakthrough, and it comes through confession, and it comes to understanding what, what I'm asking is God's will. It's understanding that I have enough faith to believe that God will answer prayer. And then lastly, that I am going to pray up and store up and to do everything that I can to abide by what God wants for me. And I'm going to do it until God says enough or that God says no or that God says yes. I'm going to do it until I have to, until God tells me to stop. Man, what if we did that? What if, what if you prayed like that? What if you really believed that? Well, this is what God calls for us. That's not what we're asking, what I'm talking to you about. It's not a supernatural thing. It's what God calls for us and all believers to do. This week, I challenge you, I challenge you to literally ask yourself, God, what do you want from me? And to begin to pray for the breakthrough that God wants to give to you spiritually. The last thing, as the the band comes up, I want to read you something really quick. 
as a closing prayer as the band comes up and those who are going to take offering. This is, this, our youth group has been talking about breakthrough and awakening for the last, since September. So this sermon has been, you know, it's a combination of everything and I've been boiled up. So you get, you got a lot of it. And I went really long, so sorry. But uh, here's a prayer. May God, uh, may your persistent prayers pay off and may your, and may your sudden breakthrough come quickly. May the burdens that have plagued you suddenly feel like an easy yoke. May God grant you a fresh revelation of his love and a fresh outpouring of his grace to not only face the day, but to conquer it valiantly. And may you experience increasing joy because you believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has something amazing planned for you. Amen.